Hello and welcome to the Autism in Real Life podcast. In each episode, you'll get practical strategies by taking a journey into the joys and challenges of life with autism. I'm your host, Ilya Walsh, and I'm an educator and the parent of two young adults, one of which is on the autism spectrum. Join me as I share my experience and the experiences of others so that we may see the unique gifts and talents of individuals on the autism spectrum fully recognized. Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is Ilya with the Spectrum Strategy Group, and I wanted to chat a little bit today about um, this concept of being invisible. And I think, um, you know, when I think about that, I think first, I think about a couple things. I think first that autism is uh, an invisible disability, meaning we can't really see what someone's disability is on the outside. It's, it's all internal. So, um, and there are several disabilities that fall under this invisible disability category. So if we can't tell on the outside there's a disability, it's an indivisible, invisible disability. Um, and I think um, because of that, it is really difficult even from you know, childhood for other people around around people with autism who don't know from the outside um, or maybe haven't been diagnosed yet, or, you know, as I, I say, you know, don't have the paperwork that come with them, um, but yet they come into our classroom, they're in our workspace, they are coming in as clients, they're coming in as patients, um, and they are people who we, you know, are friends with and in relationship with. So, um, you know, I think, when we don't have, you know, it's not like we have a sign on us that says, you know, who we are <laughs> and what we come with. Um, it makes it difficult uh, for other people to understand what, you know, what can be happening. So that that's one thing. The other thing I think about when I think about an invisible disability, or I should say the word invisible, being invisible, um, it also makes me think of some conversations that I've been having recently about autism and Asperger's um, and high functioning autism. And so I think about the language that um, historically has been used uh, in the autism world and you know the, the move and shift away from using terms like Asperger's and high functioning autism or HFA. Um, because first, you know, in the DSM-5, um, there is no more Asperger's. Uh, so, you know, that's a thing. Um, and, and if you go back to some of my previous episodes, I did a mini course on what is autism and, um, breaking down the diagnostic criteria. And I think the terms high functioning and Asperger's, um, are, are something people kind of hold on to because they think that it helps us understand what you know, what type of person, I'll put that in quotes, we're working with if someone is diagnosed with autism. So I believe, though, when we say those terms, there is a set of expectations and sort of some biases and expectations that come with saying terms like Asperger's and high-functioning autism. Um, and 
so that, that's one piece. I, I believe people will then come to expect something that it might not be accurate. And this goes back to the term when you've seen one person with autism, you've seen one person with autism. Everyone presents differently. Everyone has different strengths, different um, areas that are challenges, uh, just like everyone else. So uh, when there is a diagnosis um, and an evaluation done and we arrive at a diagnosis, uh, that is followed up, or I should say should be followed up, with a set of um, where are these per- this person's strengths? What are the strengths? What are the challenges? And why did we come up with an autism diagnosis? And again, for each person, there's going to be very specific pieces. Now, I think where we get where we attach the high functioning and Asperger's, and I, I could be wrong. So, you know, those of you out there, please help me. And again, I'm not a clinician, so um, you know, I'm I'm basing this on my own experience and speaking with other clinicians, but. Usually when someone is being evaluated, there are a set, you know, a battery of tests that are being done. There's probably tons of assessments being done. Um, And coupled with autism, there may be, um, you know, a test for intellectual disability. So autism can be paired with uh, another diagnosis of of intellectual disability. Um, But those are two separate things. So you might have someone, and so let's just say someone says, well, they have autism but they're high functioning. And so some people might have some images of what that means. But again, it's so varied that I don't think we can say that. We can say we have someone who might be able to drive themselves to a location, but maybe when they get there, they uh, you know, they get overwhelmed with too much sensory input, or maybe um, there are hygiene challenges, or maybe there, you know, there's a challenge with being able to prepare meals. Um, or, you know, maybe there's, um, you know, I, I said sensory things, but that in and of itself can be varied. Um, maybe there is a high amount of anxiety and those, all those other things could impact um, someone's day-to-day functioning or, you know, maybe they're episodic and they're different events. Um, so how can we say that that is high functioning if someone, and again, I'm putting the high functioning in quotes, if that is impacting someone's ability to, you know, lead their best life, so to speak. So um, I think that's one bias that comes with that. I also think that when um, people who maybe have been diagnosed in the past with Asperger's or the term high functioning autism, they've probably heard the term, but you don't look autistic. You don't look like you're on spectrum. And I don't think people mean that in a, in a bad way, <laughs> um, but it is so diminishing. And I feel like it's invalidating for people where they don't know what's going on inside that person and um, what, you know, what challenges they might be facing. And it is also sort of diminishing um, as to what that person's experience might be. Um, So, you know, it's sort of like saying, well, you don't look like someone who, you know, has blue eyes or you don't look like someone who has brown hair. Um, So what's that supposed to look like? What is someone supposed to look like? So I would say that would be something to think about um, and when we're working with individuals or, you know, we have, um, friends or we're in relationship or, uh, their employees or whatever, we start thinking about those terms and kind of 
separate them out and really look at someone holistically and look at someone as the individual that they are, just like we would do with everyone else. Um, and, you know, this is, um, it is a topic of interest because it's a hot topic in the autism world right now uh, about using some of these terms and how they can also be, um, you know, not inclusive. So I guess we could say they're exclusive, but that doesn't, it's not quite what I mean. Um, they're non-inclusionary terms. So when we say that we're excluding people that are on the autism spectrum, and some people have feel like have felt like that's sort of almost uh, creating a divide within the autism community itself. And I'm actually going to be podcasting with someone um, in the coming weeks around the divide in the autism community. And uh, it's sort of something that's been, you know, hanging in my brain because I've been having several meetings with a lot of people over the last few weeks and this topic kind of keeps coming up. And so I want to address it head on. And I'm, I'm podcasting with Russell Lehman in a couple of weeks and we are talking, the topic will be uh, the divide in the autism community. And I, I know we'll be talking about this topic as well as a few other things um, that are happening. But I think all of us, want to make the autism community a more inclusive um, and more safe space for everyone. And um, you know, bridging the gap is going to be uh, super important. And I think you know, how we use language and how we uh, connect with other people and what our perceptions are and um, what our biases may be ab about certain words or around certain words, um, is, is critical in sort of bridging that gap and bridging that divide. So um, I ask, you know, again, I always have a question sometimes <laughs> about, you know, asking you to think a little bit about how that, how this sits with you. Um, and I would really love to hear from everybody. I wanna know people's perspectives and I wanna know what they're thinking. So please, please, um, you know, message me um, and let me know you know, what, what your thoughts are around uh, this topic or, and if you have any other ideas or any other topics you'd like me to cover, please um, let me know. Well, thank you so much for listening in and I will talk to you soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to Autism in Real Life. This is Elia Walsh. And if you like the show, please hit subscribe so you can get notified each time a new episode is released. I also offer training, consultations, and parent coaching and would love to help you in any way that I can. You can check out my offerings at thespectrumstrategy.com. And when you join my email list, you can get a code to receive a discount off of an online class or a coaching session. Looking forward to hearing from you. Take care and see you next time.